Hi everybody, the Complex PTSD Guy here. I'll start out by saying I'm not a doctor or psychiatrist, I'm just a guy living with complex PTSD, and I'm sharing my own ideas, experiences, and opinions on this podcast. I wanted to talk about different types of triggers and the way different people handle or cope with coping mechanisms for triggers related to your trauma. Um, I sort of feel like one of the main ones, one of my, so I have, I really have, I would say three triggers, but two, I have two main ones. And one of my main ones is when people's behavior doesn't make sense. I've told you guys that before. Um, and that's been, I would say slightly triggered in the last few days. And I always remind myself to take it with a grain of salt and to not be, beat myself up if I'm not understanding something. And so when people's behavior doesn't make sense, it triggers my other main trigger, which is feelings of incompetence, which I, I've talked a lot about on here. Um, and when I think more rationally about things and logically, um, you know, it, it goes away. Um, so one of the ways that I cope with my triggers is, as I've mentioned before, um, you know, logic games. So games to increase your logic skills and your critical thinking skills. And that's one reason I've been doing the reading I've been doing just to open up my, my view of the world and to get to see different things differently in a new way and just think more critically. So one particular trigger I had in the, the past couple of days is there's a particular show on TV and I'm not going to say what it is because it doesn't matter what it is. What matters is the people that are on the show remind me a lot of the people who are a big part of where my trigger comes from. They're a big part of the trauma and they're what I would say a systemic part of neglect. Um, so when I've mentioned before, like lacking a defender and when people aren't speaking up when something's so obvious, um, these are basically the people who enable bad situations. And so when I saw these people on TV today and they remind me so much of those people, a key quality that they both have, both groups of these people, the people I grew up with and the people that are on this TV show, a key quality they have is that they're they're almost operating under like um, what I would almost call a spell. So they're almost operating as if there's somebody guiding this wagon that they're all on. And it makes me very curious who's guiding it. You know, where is this coming from? Why are they all, I would say, so... Um, encapsulated or in this bubble because they're, they're really living in like a bubble and they have a very a large quantity of arrogance about them and so do the people that I, I grew up with that again were part of the systemic I would say neglect of abuse so people who just weren't saying anything they weren't speaking up and they were just sitting around abiding by it um, but there's a, a key trait is arrogance and I would also say that they're very self-righteous. And there's also a quality of 
something is hiding or they're they're hiding something about themselves that they're not sharing in front of other people or they're at least not sharing in front of me and the people that were around me um so they're hiding something is the key point and that key thing that they're hiding is also guiding them so it's it's almost like a, a cult it's almost like a, the way a cult would behave you know it's like why are these people behaving in this certain way it's because there is something guiding them and when there's a cult situation going on the people who are in the cult are all kind of afraid to speak up because if you speak up you'll be shunned or you'll be blackballed from the community and so the people who get shunned and blackballed you don't see them around because they've left and so everyone who's there is the people abiding by it nobody's speaking up um and these people that i grew up around who are part of the systemic neglect they are in what a lot of people say is a cult it's a particular religion and again i won't say what religion it is um and on the show that i'm watching it's not the same thing it's not a religion that they're abiding by i think on this show that i've seen that really irritates me by the way i think what guides them is money and partying um so people who are willing to go to distance partying and people who have, who have money and a lot of access to things that are very expensive and they're they're uppity like they're they're stuck up and they're arrogant and they're self-righteous um so what's guiding them is this superficiality maybe but they don't just like kind of come right out and say that but they're they're guided by something very specific and they they look down on other people a lot and they're very callous about it like they're very it's a reality show and they're they have that quality though that they're being guided by something that they're not quite um just putting out there you know we're a bunch of jerks like that's what they should just say this is a show about a bunch of jerks right um because they are they're like they're terrible to each other they're really awful to one another and they're they're like the most arrogant people i've ever seen in my life but it's that quality of whenever they're around each other they're very mean to each other and rude and nobody ever speaks up like nobody ever says um you know knock it off or anything like that there's just there's no there's no defender so and sometimes there's people who are in their group who you can tell are really struggling with something and it's almost like they just eat them alive like piranhas and there's no defender there and so it, it's a huge it's a really big trigger for me to see it and so I don't watch it anymore I used to watch the show but the last the season before last there was a situation of like I would say real emotional abuse to where it made me so uncomfortable I couldn't watch it. I I refused to watch it again. Um but I happened to see I happened to see a clip of an episode that was on this week and it reminded me of it. And again it's that quality of no one speaking up. Um and that's why it's like the behavior doesn't make sense because it's it's like where's the defender? How come no one's saying anything? 
Um, and so one thing that I wanted to point out that was actually a coping skill or a coping mechanism for me in relation to when people's behavior doesn't make sense. And I, I told you guys that within the systemic neglect, it was a religion, right? And people consider it a cult. Well, one thing that I did, and this is something I think most people would just never do. Um, I actually, I wanted to know so much. I wanted to know, you know, these people that I grew up around, I wanted to know why are they the way they are? Like, what is it within their religion that's, that's leading them? And so, you know what I did? I joined the religion. So I did this in like 2013. I joined it. Um, like I literally got baptized into it and everything. And again, this is a religion that I would say it's very mainstream, but it's also by a lot of people is considered a cult. Um, but I, I, I did the whole deal. I did it a hundred percent. Um, because I wanted to know, I wanted to know, like I was, I was curious and I wanted to understand it and I wanted to know specific things. And there were very specific key things that were never talked about in front of me growing up. So, you know, I was around these people growing up um, and there, there were very key things that most of the public does not even know that I learned because I joined it. And like I said, I literally got like baptized and, um, I went the distance, you know what I mean? And then I eventually, um, you know, I broke rules. They had, you know, certain rules and everything. I, I broke certain rules and I just felt like a hypocrite. So I ended up like leaving. Um, but I genuinely had an interest. Like I wanted to know, um, it was something I'd always been curious about and I just went ahead and joined it. Um, it was a, it was a very interesting time and I guess I would have been like 31 at the time, but I learned a lot, but I basically, um, I, I just wanted to, to figure it out. So, and again, it's not something that I think most people would do. Um, joining up a, a group that is something that was traumatizing for you. I think most people would think that that would be very frightening. Um, but for me, I wanted the clarity. Like I wanted to know, you know, what is going on here that's making these people behave this way? Um, and, you know, eventually I left. Um, and in regards to the whole, like, it being a cult, I would say it, it definitely has um, things that get you doing things that most religions I don't think would do. And it does operate very differently. Um, and it's very... Um, You know, I would say don't be in it unless you want to be in it for whatever reason you want to be, you want to stay in it. Um, but I, having experienced like two different religions that I, I would say are, are quite different. And I'm not even talking about their theology or their history. I'm talking about the way they operate and the way they function. 
Um, so that was one thing that I did was I, I basically threw myself into something that I was extremely curious about. And I would say that I do that with a lot of different subjects. This just happened to be something on a very major scale, again, with people who played a role within my trauma. And so that was that was very different. Um, but I'm extremely curious about a lot of things. Like in college, you know, I told you I studied history and philosophy. And I wanted to... I wanted to know certain things about, and I actually wrote my college paper about religion. It wasn't the religion I joined in 2013. Um, but I wrote my paper about, um, I wrote my paper about religion in the early 1800s, basically. Um, different religious movements that played a role into the lead up of the United States Civil War is what I wrote about. Um, and how I think the United States Civil War was a a religious, um, it was a religious war. And a lot of people don't say that because, you know, if you're trying to say, like, who's the bad guy and who's the good guy, and you throw religion into that, you're going to create a storm. Um, so most people don't ever say something like that. But it was like a... a I don't even know if revolution is the right, right word, but um, it was a, a spiritual warfare is what it was, um, religious warfare, in my opinion. If you look back at a lot of the reasons as to why certain groups were fighting for certain causes in relation to that war, um, particularly slavery, like fighting against slavery, a lot of those were religious leaders fighting against that. Um, but I wanted to, to just share that. That was one way that I coped with one of my main triggers. Now I do things like, for example, when I had that major depression a couple weeks ago, it really irked on me for hours that day. It was terrible. And when I finally sort of just let it sit there, and exist and acknowledge it and get back to my work and just let it do its thing. Like just let it sit in the back of my brain and do its thing and almost like giving it acknowledgement, but not, but it's almost like not paying attention to something, but acknowledging it's in the room. When I looked at it that way, which I think is also similar to a, it's a certain type of therapy. I always forget what it's called, like cognitive behavioral therapy or, dialectical behavior therapy. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, that's basically what they do too, is you kind of acknowledge something and you don't, you don't feed it the attention, but you, you let it be there, which can be very hard to do by the way, if you aren't familiar with it or it's, it's completely wearing you out. Another thing that's good as a, a coping mechanism is to write things out and sometimes see a pattern, you know, like, so the other thing that triggered me happened today where a colleague's behavior wasn't making sense and it completely flustered me um, because they were sort of, it, they were doing something actually very nice. They were being helpful. Um, 
And they're doing something that I think they do with other colleagues because it's seen as a type of teamwork. But they basically interfered with how I operate when I'm doing something with my clients, like when I'm greeting them and the way that I organize my room and clean my room up whenever I'm done. They were kind of interfering with it to where it was it was leaving me wondering uh they were like interfering with my pattern, interfering with my routine. And the first thought that came to my mind was their behavior is not making sense to me because they were making us late and they were making things take longer to be quite honest. And I noticed that with other therapists, when they were working with them, the things they were doing were making things take longer and my my brain was just on fire. I was like, because they weren't making any sense to me. And I didn't want to critique them because I knew it would sound, I didn't want to sound smart alecky because I knew at the time that it was bothering me. So I thought I, I should just ignore it for now. Um, but it was something so simple. But what was happening was it, it wasn't making sense. And it's, it's a trigger. Like it's one of my triggers. Um, you know, it's just the way they were doing something, it wasn't computing and I just had to kind of let it go. Cause I know it's, I know that it's a trigger for me. Um, and I also don't know how to address things like that. So when something is a trigger, I don't know how to talk about it in the moment. And that's, I think a big issue for a lot of people with complex PTSD and PTSD. When you're having a trigger moment, you can't organize your thoughts very well, right? Cause you're having a trigger and it's, it's emotional. Like it's your, the emotional part, your adrenaline might start going or whatever. And you're the part of your brain that says emergency or a red flag, you know, it's ringing and it's breaking your focus is what it's doing. So whenever you're in a situation like that, you know, it's, you have to kind of wait a little bit and then talk about it, you know, when you're not, in a hyper hyper state um so i just didn't have the words um i didn't know you know what to say in the moment because one thing i did say and i know it wasn't technically the right thing to say because i wasn't getting to the point but um and i know that i sounded um too forward so whenever i'm under that that state of stress like that I either say nothing or I'm too forward. And so what I said to my colleague was, um, cause they were off, they were basically, I felt like interfering in what I was doing. And I said, Oh no, I can take care of my own stuff. And they go, what's wrong. And I thought, damn it. You know, it's like they, I'm being too forward because they, they said, what's wrong. Like they could tell something had bothered me. And they weren't doing anything wrong at all. They were actually being helpful, but they were interfering with, you know, my system of doing things. And what was going on in my brain was I just wanted to say, like, mind your own business. Like, <laughs> I just wanted to, like, tell them to, like, go focus on focus on your stuff. Like, let me let me clean up my own space here. Um, but they were actually being really helpful. They weren't doing anything wrong at all. Um, 
but it, it was a trigger for me to where I knew, you know, and then what I said to them was, I'm not used to being catered to, to try and let them know that I appreciated that they were trying to help whenever they said what was wrong. And I just said, I'm not used to being catered to, um, cause they were actually trying to help, but they were, they were getting in my business in a way. Um, so that's, you know, a way that I would cope with, um, again, when people's behavior doesn't make sense, sometimes deep breathing can help with that. And the other day when I went for a walk, um, it's been really cold by the way. Um, but I did go for a walk when it was a little bit warm, warmer on like Thursday, but I did deep breathing as I walk. Like I intentionally took slow breaths through my nose and then exhaled out of my mouth. Um, just 10, 10 deep breaths. But that is something the older I get, the more I notice is extremely helpful is a little bit of deep breathing. And it's something that's so simple. Um, another way of, you know, coping with triggers. I'm, I'm very curious to know how people of like large scale physical trauma cope with their triggers. Um, that's something that I would think would be interesting to learn more about. And I might actually do a little bit of research about that. Coping for physical triggers versus maybe coping for emotional triggers and see if there's a difference there. Um, Cause mine is technically both the physical stuff stopped when I was about 10 and I've told you before that was whippings. Um, it wasn't spanking, it was whippings that went on for years. And then the emotional stuff that that's just continual like that, that went on for a very long time. And occasionally it still goes on because like I've told you guys before, I still communicate with the people where my abuse comes from. So sometimes that still goes on, you know, I, I'm much better at dealing with it for the most part. Um, but I would be very curious to know if there are key differences between coping for emo emotional triggers versus coping for physical triggers. Um, but again, for me, a, a lot of mine is curiosity and research. So when a particular type of people's behavior doesn't make sense, I really want to dive in and know why they're behaving that way. So I, you know, I look back at behavior and the other one for me is feelings of incompetence and my coping skills for that are learning how to learn differently, which I've talked about before. I learned how to learn differently when I was in college to get things into my long-term memory better. And another thing for feelings of incompetence is remind myself of my accomplishments. So look back at accomplishments that I, I've had and remind myself to not beat myself up and look at things more logically and like I've also said, the reading, things that help with your logic skills. So, you know, for me, it's been recently, it's been the reading. And the reason I keep mentioning that is because it's something that I've never thought of doing before. And it's something I can do for the rest of my life. Like li literally, I can go to the library and per shelf, you know, check out three to five books 
and you could spend however long it takes to get through three to five books. They only let you check them out for two weeks at the library I go to. Um, but just open my mind and learn, think more critically about topics that I, I knew nothing about. Um, and a lot of times it's fun to look at them from like a, a crime scene perspective and a criminal profiling perspective. And that could go for any subject um, or almost any subject. But looking at things from the perspective of the evidence, where is the information coming from? Who's writing this book? Um, what is the point of the book and looking at maybe the things, other perspectives of, from people who have written about that same subject. And again, who are they and what are they saying about it? And then coming to your own conclusion. It's almost like the movie clue or the game of clue. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's like being a, a crime solver. It's, it's really neat. Um, you know, almost like Sherlock Holmes or something, but you can use it for all kinds of subject matter. Um, you know, so it's, I think it's, uh, a, a very neat way to just learn more things and increase your, your logic skills. I actually really look forward to, and I don't know, I can't remember what section this would even be in. Cause I don't know if there's actually a logic section, um, but once I come across books that are actually about logic, which they might be around like the philosophy section, um, I really look forward to reading those. Uh, those are going to be a lot of fun, you know, just to increase my own. And again, to help calm some of my own triggers regarding feelings of incompetence. So um, I wanted to share some of this. I primarily wanted to... You know, if there's if there's certain ways that you guys cope with your triggers and you want to send me a message about them, I would love to share them on here. I won't say your name or anything, but if there's a way that you cope with your triggers, um, I need to do a whole episode about that. People who have gone through other things and find some researcher articles out there about it and ways that they specifically cope with their triggers. Um, besides exercise or getting enough sleep, you know, what are their specific triggers and how do they cope with them? I just think is a, a really important thing that in the world of trauma, I don't know that I hear a lot about that. I always hear, you know, stay away from, from alcohol, um, stay away from whatever it is that's triggering, triggering you. But if you happen to have triggers, even when you're staying away from the specific person or place or thing that triggered you, you might come across something that reminds you of it or a person who reminds you of that person. Um, so, you know, how do you cope with that other than staying away from it? You know, what is something that you do to help yourself handle it? That's most of what I wanted to share. This is the Complex PTSD guy signing off.